This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, so we're going to continue our study tonight in the book of First Peter. And so if you'll take your Bibles and turn there with me, I'm going to pick up where we left off last Wednesday night with the most interesting subject. And I've got some scriptures, fellas, that I haven't given you because I do want to speak on something that uh, we don't talk about a whole lot. In fact, when um, I'm looking ahead at this particular passage of Scripture, really going into chapter 2, a most interesting and difficult and complex study when we get into chapter 2. And so it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, So, so much in this book that is just a blessing. And I pray that it is that with you. So we're going to pick up tonight again with verse number 11. And this is where we spent our time last Wednesday night in the study. We want to pick up with this. So the scripture says, for so an entrance. And now I gave you a couple of key words to think about in the study we had last week. And uh, I do want to pick back up with that emphasis. So um, I want you to underline the word entrance if you haven't done so already. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we were talking about last week how that in order for a person to go to heaven, we gave you the scripture in Titus that it's not of our works. And when you do a systematic study on religions and faiths and traditions and ideologies and philosophies of the world's predominant denominations, so to speak, you would be amazed at the different ways or the different beliefs that people have as far as being able to have everlasting life into the kingdom of heaven. You would be surprised what people believe that you have to do or don't do to get there. You you just it would it would blow your mind. But we have to take the word of God as it is, and we're taught in many places of scripture not to add to the word, not to take away from the word. And so we gave you a scripture last week in the book of Titus where it says, clear as day, that we're not saved by works of righteousness. In fact, Paul said it in another place. He said it so well in Ephesians. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of your works. Okay? So if we could, if we could just for a few moments get that verse on the screen for us, fellas back there, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I want you to see this because this goes hand in hand. In fact, as they get this scripture on the screen here, it's a good place in your Bible to make the notation of Titus 3, 5 with it. But look here. I want you to read it and read it. Let's read it together. Follow me as I read with you. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. All right? And that not of yourselves is not a human being on the planet that can save themselves. I don't care how much money you give, how many prayers you pray, how many works you do. You cannot save yourself. And that not of yourself. This is scripture. It is the gift of God. Okay, let's pause that for a moment. 
Let's pause this just for a moment, and I want you to see what is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. What, is, what does the Word say about the gift of God? I'm not going to ask him to pull this scripture up uh, because I don't want to leave this and come back to it. I want you to keep this scripture on the screen. But what is the gift of God? For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. What did he give? What is the gift of God? That he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, John 3.16. The scripture also says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so there, there are a number of scriptures that talk about this gift the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ, His atonement on the cross, purchased our redemption through the shedding of His blood. This is the gift of God. This is what God gave the world. And He gave it in such a manner to, to all men. Anybody can be saved that wants to be saved. It's because it's a gift. It's the gift of God. He gave it to us. The thing is, we have the freedom of choice whether we're going to receive it or not. But it's a free gift. It doesn't cost us anything. We can't work for it. We can't pr pray tons of prayers to get this gift. He gave it to us. He gave it to us on the cross. All right, now, let's go to verse 9. Ephesians 2, 9. Now, I want to emphasize this again with Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. Paul, again, is writing. He's writing the book of Titus. He's writing the book of Ephesians. But he says this, and he makes it clear, abundantly clear, not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, imagine if salvation was based upon works, what you could do to get to heaven. Think about the world and the arrogancy and the level of pride, even among the church, even the believers. They, we would be walking around saying, you didn't do this, but I did it. I did this and I did that. What did you, you know, we would be, we would be in big trouble and, and uh, harassing one another with this thing here of works. But you see, salvation is not of works. It's a gift. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when we invite Christ into our heart, now, again, you don't do that by walking down this aisle and pop bubbles with chewing gum and jiggle change in your pocket. That's, that's not what it's all about. You have to, your eyes have to be open to the Holy Spirit who is wooing you, who is beckoning you. And I want to talk about that in tonight's study. Okay, so because we're in First Peter and we're talking about this entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved in Christ and Christ alone, and there is absolutely nothing else that we can do to get ourselves any more saved than the grace of God. But as I said on two other previous Wednesday night studies, that even though we all will get there in Christ and Christ alone, we will all get there through the blood of Jesus, we will not all arrive there the same. 
And that's because some will get there with sacrificial love to the Lord. Some will get there with a mediocre type of a relationship with God. Some will get there following afar off. And that's where we left off last night. How How is it that a person can believe in the Lord, profess to be saved, and live a fruitless life? Because the Scripture says, by the fruit you should know them. How is it that a person who says, yes, I'm a believer, and truly, truly made a profession of faith, who truly took possession of their faith. I mean, I would, I would think that I'm not the only one in here tonight that can say that there were periods of time in our lives where we were closer to the Lord than other times. But I can tell you tonight that in my own personal walk and my faith, there have been times that I've been much closer than certain other times. So what I'm saying is this. It is possible for a person to have made a profession of faith who took possession of that faith and for whatever reason got out of the will of God, got into the world, and unfortunately, that's where they are. Now, does a person in that condition still, as Peter talks about, Do they still have the entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Because here's the thing. We believe wholeheartedly, not because we have made this up, but because the Scripture teaches this important truth of eternal security. We believe that when a person makes a profession of faith, there's absolutely nothing on this earth that can change any of that. We cannot be unsaved once we're saved. And this is where I want to get into the study tonight because I want to talk about two things that's really confusing to a lot of people. I want to talk about this thing about the unpardonable sin. What what is it that a person can do where they can never be saved? And then I want us to make sure that we're not confusing this with what the Word calls the sin unto death, because the sin unto death is not the unpardonable sin. They are two different things altogether. So, fellas, this is where I'm going to ask you to get some scriptures up here. I don't know that I've given you all of them. I think I gave you the first one, and it's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. And I want us to follow along here because we're talking about the entrance into the everlasting kingdom. When we're saved, we're, we're saved forever. And there's absolutely nothing we can do on this earth to be unsaved. Because, see, you see, it goes back to the same principle. We're not worktified, we're justified. And we're justified through the blood, through Christ alone. It's a work of grace. All right, now, but look at the Scripture here, because I'm going to read three of them for you. John is writing, and he says, And if we know that he hear us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Now, now this is, you need to pay attention here. There is a sin unto death. 
But John said, I do not say that he shall pray for it. What does that mean? There, there is a sin that we can commit where we have refused the wooing of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, where we have shut him out and we have said, no, 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 don't talk to me. I've had enough. I'm done. I'm going to live my life the way that I want to. There, There is a sin. What is that sin, Pastor? What is a sin that a person can commit that results in death? What is that sin? I don't know. In fact, we're given instruction here in the Scripture not even to ask about it. Look at this. There is a sin unto death. Whatever that sin is, I don't know. I can't tell you if you do this 10 times or if you do that 20 times or if you don't do that 15 times. I I have no idea. All I know is that the Scripture says that there is one. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. I will tell you this, though. In the Scriptures, if you study carefully in the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the Holy Spirit and God struck them dead. Now, I'm not saying that's the sin unto death, but I'm saying that's what happened. And they died as a result of that. All right, then go to verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin, all of it. And there is a sin not unto death. So there, there is something, and I don't know what it is, but there is something that a person can do that will ultimately result in death because the Scripture says so. And then there are things that we can do in our life that's wrong and sin, and the word calls sin, where God will chastise us. Whom the Lord loveth, he chaseth. That's what the word says. So this is the sin and the death thing. This is not the unpardonable sin. I want us to go and look at Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 31. And... uh, I want you to look at this very carefully. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But, that word means except. There is one where the word says, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now, why are we talking about this subject? Because we're talking about the entrance into the kingdom. So let me give you some assurance tonight. This particular sin, because I will tell you, preaching for almost 50 years, I have had people come to me and say, Pastor, I am scared to death that I have committed the unpardonable sin. That I don't feel the way that I used to feel. And uh, I can remember times I I was closer to the Lord than what I am today. And uh, I I just don't feel that things are the same. And I I lay in the bed and tremble. I'm worried that I have committed the unpardonable sin. Well, first of all, you cannot commit the unpardonable sin because if you did, you would not be justified. You'd be worktified. And we're not worktified. You cannot be saved or unsaved by things you do or you don't do. 
We're saved by grace, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Paul said it in Titus chapter 3, verse number 5. So here's the thing, and I want to help you tonight. Maybe this will bring peace to some somebody listening tonight by the Internet, some, some, maybe somebody here tonight. It is impossible. It is impossible for a believer to commit the unpardonable sin. A Christian, a believer, a person who has been saved, washed in the blood, truly saved, it's impossible. Because here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, when he opens a man's eyes or woman's eyes, when he opens a person's eyes to their need of the Savior, Again, in John 6, 44, this is very important. This is what the Word teaches us, that we have to be drawn. When the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and we are drawn with conviction and repentance and confession, and we truly receive Christ. I'm not talking about some type of spooky experience, but I'm talking about a real experience with the Lord Jesus. You invite him in. The Word says this in Revelation 3:20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, the scripture says, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. So when we are truly repentive and we have confessed and we have believed and we have opened our heart's door and we have received Christ, we have trusted him as our Savior. The reason you cannot be unsaved and the reason this scripture is tremendously important for us to understand as believers, we cannot as a believer, commit this unpardonable sin because the Holy Spirit is the one who is moving our hearts, who's captivating our hearts, who's speaking our hearts, who has given us the insight to open our hearts to the Lord Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is not going to continue to open a person's eyes to the truth who has committed the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That's not, that's, it just doesn't work that way. And so here's the thing. One way, by the way, of blaspheming is profaning the God's name. Taking Now, again, there's a big difference in using profanity or blasphemy against the Lord, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be, given unto, uh, be, shall be forgiven unto men, but... The blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. It's, it's entirely two different things. When you say, here's what, the, here's what the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is. When a person says that the work of God, the shed blood on the cross, the grace of God, when a person says all of that is of the devil, none of that is true, none of that is God, that is of the devil. When a person does that, when, when a person says that to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will stop speaking to that individual. He will stop moving on the heart. That's why, because listen, you cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. 
So if the Holy Spirit is blaspheming and a person is saying, listen, this whole gospel thing, this whole blood thing, this whole thing about grace, all of it's of the devil. The Holy Spirit will stop working, will stop moving, will stop convicting. And that's why and how a person cannot be saved. Because you cannot be saved in your own self, not of works of righteousness. You cannot be a saved apart from the Holy Spirit. So the thing that I want you to really get firm in your belief tonight is this, that the unpardonable sin, as you read it here tonight, is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, now let me get you to look at uh, verse number 32, Matthew twelve thirty-two, And it says, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man. It shall be forgiven him. Who is the Son of Man? It's the Lord Jesus. All right. It shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So, Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is basically to speak against him. Listen, it's not bad thoughts. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not because we have a bad thinking problem. The Word has a lot to say about our thoughts. Philippians 4 teaches us to keep our minds true and pure. But this scripture that we're talking about tonight it's not about bad thoughts. You know, people people worry about committing the unpardonable sin because they think bad things. Well, we, we all do at times. That blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not something that you write. It's not something that you think. This is a sin only committed by a person who is verbally speaking against the Holy Spirit. And so when a person commits the sin of blasphemy, as we're reading tonight in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 11, they, they just cannot have an entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit will stop working. And I don't want you to confuse the unpardonable sin to be the sin unto death. They're entirely two different things. All right, so as we, as we clear that up just a little bit, I want you to be firmly grounded in this truth that when we do make our entrance into the everlasting kingdom, whether it's by death or whether it's by rapture, some of us will get there with a stronger relationship with the Lord than others. And not because the Lord has chosen to have favorites, because the Word clearly says that He's not a respecter of persons. All of us have just as an equal opportunity to be just as close to the Lord as we possibly can, all of us have that chance and opportunity. The Word says this, if you draw not to me, he says, I will draw not to you. That means this. I give you this example, and I have done it many times. If we are willing in our spiritual lives to take one step towards God, God in return will take one step towards us. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Sometimes we want to get that wrong. 
This is what we say. We try to make God all these bogus promises. God, if you do this, I'll do that. And if you just come through with me and for me on this time, this distress in my life when the bottom has fallen out, God, if you do this and I'll do that. But that's not what that scripture says. Scripture says God speaks and he says, if you draw nigh to me, you take the first step. He said, then I will draw nigh to you. But it also works like this. Ever how close I want to be with God, he gives me the invitation to do that. He is never going to say, well, wait a minute, you're getting too close here now. This is getting, this is getting weird. He's, he's not going to do that. He is going to say this, you can have as much of me as you want. And if you're willing to take two big steps towards me, God is saying that I'm willing to take two big steps towards you. The bottom line is this, ever how close you want to be with him, you can be. And he will wrap you up and he will love you. You love on him, he will love on you. Okay, so let's let's move on a little bit here tonight. Let's go a little farther. In um, this next verse here, let's look at verse 12. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Let's, let's go to that scripture. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Now, Peter's talking about the importance of repetition here. Now, this word negligent, if you read it, it means to be careless. And that's what he's warning us about. He is saying, don't get careless with your faith. And Peter did not want to be careless with this. He didn't want to make light of it. In fact, Paul had urged Timothy not to be negligent as well. Let me read this scripture for you in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 14. This is what um, Paul is saying here. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. All right? And so let's, let's go to verse 13 here. 1 Peter 1.13. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Now, the word meet here means to be righteous. Make a note of that. It means to be righteous or to do what's right. And so Peter wanted believers to rehearse the Scriptures over and over and over again. And by the way, that's the thing that sharpens our faith. When we begin to quote and memorize the word. Uh, you know, I asked you this several times in the past before, and I want you to think about it. How much of the scripture do you feel you know? Can you quote, can you take a piece of paper and write out five verses, just five, five verses by memory? Can you do that? Scriptures you were taught maybe years ago, maybe you learned as a child, but can you write from memory five verses verbatimly according to the word? Can you write them out? If you can't write out at least five, being John 3, 16, the first one, and and Jesus wept, being one of them, we, we, we need to get back to, to the Scripture. You need to be able to write these things down, and that's what Peter is emphasizing here. He wanted believers to rehearse the word. Read it again. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, his earthly body, to stir you up by putting in remembrance Peter is saying, remember the scriptures, remember the word. Look at verse 14. 
knowing that I surely must put off this my tabernacle. We spent a lot of time with this subject early on in the study. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. So the thing that I get out of this as I look at this part of the word tonight is that Peter knew that he would not experience the rapture. He knew that. Because Jesus told him how he was going to die. And he was well rehearsed on this. And by the way, the Apostle Paul also knew. Even though he looked for the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus, he knew that he would not see the rapture. Peter knew he would not see the rapture. In fact, let me show you this verse uh, of Paul's awareness of this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. I want you to look at this. Paul said this. He said, I am now ready to be offered. And he said, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I know it's happening soon. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearance. So Peter knew he would not live to see the rapture. And Paul knew he would not live to see the rapture. Both men knew that their death was imminent, but they are encouraging us to keep in our memory these important things. And they were giving us the admonishment and the encouragement to move forward. Now look at verse number 15 here. And I have time just to read another verse for you tonight. He says this, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15. He said, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, look at this, after my decease. So Peter is admonishing us to stay in the faith, to stay solid in the faith. And he's telling us that his departure is soon. And he says, when I'm gone, and so he's given us the insight that he's not going to be living at the rapture, but he's encouraging us to continue and to keep the faith. He said, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always, always in remembrance. Peter was determined that with whatever time he had left on this earth, whatever time God saw fit to give him, he wanted things to be clear, crystal clear. I have time for one more scripture tonight, and that's in verse 16. Let's look at it together. For we have not followed cunningly, devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And when I read something like that in the Scripture, I rejoice tonight that we don't have a book of nursery rhymes. And and we don't have a book tonight that entertains us. Peter is, he's writing from firsthand experience, firsthand knowledge. And all of his teachings, all of his writings are sobering facts of truth. And Peter knew all of these events because as he declares in the Scripture here, the latter part of verse number 16, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. All right, so we will stop here tonight, and I hope this has been a great study for you. If you don't leave with anything other than the fact that the unpardonable sin a Christian cannot commit, 
The unpardonable sin is not the sin unto death. There is a sin unto death, but the Word says don't pray for it. You don't need to say, God, show me what it is so I don't do it. The Word says, listen, you don't need to pray about that. There is one, and people have died in the Scriptures because of things they... Now, I'm not saying that what Ananias and Sapphira did is a sin unto death, but they died as a result of what they did. But the unpardonable sin is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and a born-again child of God cannot do that. It's impossible. Why? Because you are sealed until the day of redemption with the power. We are kept by the power of God, not our works. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.